So a little recap of where we are. Genesis chapter 42 last week. We didn't finish it, and so we'll finish it up this morning. Pharaoh has this dream. Joseph has been thrown into prison at the age of 17 by his older brothers. He had uh, 10 older brothers, one younger brother named Benjamin. Joseph was the favorite of his father. He was thrown in a pit by his brothers. The brothers told the dad, hey, he got eaten by a lion or something crazy. He was sold into slavery into Egypt. He arrived at a guy named Potiphar's house. He was falsely accused of trying to take advantage of Potiphar's wife by his wife. He is then thrown into prison for a number of years where he meets two people from the king's court, a baker and the, uh, the cupbearer. And so those two people, they have a dream. And the dreams were that in three days, one would be restored to where they were, the other would be dead. Joseph at that time says, hey, tell me your dreams, and I'll go ahead and give you the interpretation. And he gives them the interpretation of the dreams, and sure enough, just as he said, the cupbearer was restored to the king's palace, and the baker was, uh, he was executed three days later. And Joseph said, just remember me. Remember me when you go back to the king's palace. And he did not remember. And so what happened is two years later, after this time, 17 years in prison, 17 years since he's been in the pit, a long time, the Pharaoh finally has a dream. And he has a dream with the seven cows, and I'm going to get it all mixed up, right? The seven skinny cows eat the seven big cows. Yes. <laughs> and the seven, uh, the seven skinny grains eat the uh, seven fat heads of grain. And it was that seven years of plenty were going to come, but they'd be eaten by a time of seven years of really like tribulation, just great famine on the earth. And so Joseph tells the king, the answer to this riddle, so to speak, this dream. God had been preparing him in captivity for this moment. And when the Pharaoh came to him and he said, hey, can you give me the interpretation? Joseph says, no, I cannot. I cannot do it. But God will give the interpretation that Pharaoh desires. Joseph was extremely talented, extremely gifted young man. Everything he did was blessed. But he had the issue, I think, of pride that God was working on. Very gifted people often have that. And the Lord kept him in prison. Gave him a little bit more time to bake under authority until he recognized whose authority he ultimately had to be under. And that was the Lord's. And when he said, it is not within me, but it is in the Lord's, that day he was moved into second into command of all of Egypt to facilitate those seven years of plenty, to take that that extra wheat that was coming in and put it in storehouses for all the cities so that in the second half of the year, in the second half of the, the dream, the last seven years, there would be plenty for everybody to have. And it is during this time that Joseph's uh, family back in Canaan, back in Israel, they're becoming hungry. 
And so the father sends the ten older brothers down to Egypt to go buy bread, gives them money. And if we remember last week, they came before him and they bowed down before him. And he remembered his dream and he started to speak harshly to them. Here he is faced with these guys who had thrown him in the pit uh, 17 years earlier, 20 years earlier now. And they do not recognize him. But he recognizes them. He's speaking through an interpreter. And now Joseph is engaging in finding out what's going on. What's going on back home? Is my father still alive? Is my brother still alive? Have you guys changed at all whatsoever? And so it says that Joseph started to speak harshly to him. You're spies! They're like, no man, we're we're the sons of, of one, one guy who's back at home, and we've got, we're, we're one of 12. I mean, we've got 12 brothers, and one is at home, and one is no more. They didn't realize they were talking to the very person who was no more, so to speak. And so Joseph is putting these situations in front of them to draw out what's going on in their hearts and their character, and God at the same time is, is drawing something out of them that we're going to be seeing here this morning a little bit more. And it says, hey, if you guys are really telling the truth, if, if, if you are really who you are and you're not spies, then go back and get your brother and come back here. And he threw him in prison for three days. He threw all of them in prison for three days. And it is while they're in the prison, they are talking to themselves and they're going, man, we are in this situation because of what we did to our brother back 20 years ago. Their conscience is being stirred up. Something that happened 20 years ago that they tried to put, oppress, hide, conceal, it's starting to be brought up again. And isn't the Lord the same way with us? He won't let us dwell with those dark things. He wants to expose them. He wants to free us from the weight of that. What these brothers did not know is that Joseph, the very person they hurt, was the very person who would give them the freedom and the blessing. The very person that we sin against, the very person that we have wronged, is the one who offers us his freedom, his love, his provisions. But those provisions, although he's giving to them now, will not be fully manifest until their hearts are cleansed. And that's kind of what we're working towards here. And it says in chapter 42, verse 18, it says, On the third day Joseph said to them, uh, do this and live, for I fear God. If you're honest men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison while the rest of you go and take grain back for your starving households, but you must bring your youngest brother back to me so that the words may be verified and that you may not die. And they proceeded to do so. And in verse 21, like we talked about, it says, Then they said to one another, Surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded for us for his life, but we would not listen. And that's why we're in the distress that has come. We are guilty. And Reuben replied, Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? Oh, that's a wonderful brother there. I told you so. But she would not listen. And now we must give an account for his blood. 
boy, that's heavy. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. In verse 24, it says, He turned away from them, and he began to weep. He was overhearing this. But when he came back, he spoke to them again, and he had Simeon taken from them and bound before their eyes. Joseph's having a hard time holding it together. And he takes Simeon, and he binds them in front of their eyes, and he takes him into captivity. And Joseph, verse 25, gave orders to fill their bags with grain, to put each man's silver back in his sack, and to give them the provisions for the journey. And after this was done for them, they loaded their grain on their donkeys, and they left. And at the place where they stopped for the night, one of them opened his sack to get feed for his donkey, and they saw his silver in the mouth of his sack. And their hearts sank. And they turned to each other, trembling, and said, What is this that God has done to us? Here they are, being talked to harshly, being, you know, being uh, accused of being spies by this person. Their brother has been taken from them. And they went there to buy grain. They're in desperate need. And they go ahead and they purchase it. But what do you know? Their silver's back in their sacks. So they're like, oh my gosh, we are, we're messed up. We're not going to make it out of this. Stealing from the king is not a good idea. We didn't steal, but how did this get back in here? They are just overwhelmed with this guilt. And I find it funny that Joseph, you'll see this picture, he never accepts their money. He never takes it. He only gives, and we'll talk a little bit, about, a little bit more about that later. Joseph being a picture of Christ. Their hearts sunk when they saw it. They were trying to look like honest guys, weren't they? They're trying to look like honest guys. This made them look as though they had ripped Joseph off. And the silver, which Joseph had been sold for, by the way, was back in their sack. Verse 29, when they had came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they went back home and told him all that had happened to them. They said, the man who is Lord over the land spoke harshly to us and treated us as though we were spying on the land. But we said to him, we are honest men. We're not spies. We are the twelve brothers, sons of one father, one who is no more, and the youngest is now with our father in Canaan. And then the man who is Lord over the land said to us, This is how I know whether you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me and take the food for your starving households and go. Bring your youngest brother to me so I will know that you are not spies but honest men. Then I will give your brother back to you and you can trade in the land. And they were, as they were emptying their sacks, there in each man's sack, was his pouch of silver. And when they and their father <laughs> and their father saw the money in the pouches, they were frightened. It wasn't just one, it was all of them. I find it interesting that one had to be bound so the rest could go free, but eventually that one would be returned to them. Little pictures of Christ. It's interesting there. Verse 36. And their father Jacob said to them, You have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and now you want to take Benjamin. Everything is against me. Jacob isn't acting very Israel-like, is he? He's acting like someone I know very well. I have to see him every day in the mirror. When faced with difficult situations, when faced with things that would seem to be against me, I take them at face value. I see through the eyes of Matt. Anybody struggle with that? Simeon and Joseph are gone, and now Benjamin is threatened. I just want to curl up in a ball. 
No, Jacob, actually all those circumstances are working out for your benefit. As difficult as the circumstances may look, as dark as the picture is, and as sad as you may feel, God is at work, and it is for your benefit. That is the truth. And nothing can change that. Nothing can change that. Don't give up. Keep trusting the Lord. Just one more chapter, buddy. Hold on. I love that verse. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. And now I know in part, but then I shall know. Even, known, I'm sorry. Then I shall know even, though as, even as also I am known. You know, we can't see the picture fully. It's like a labyrinth, but one day we will see it clearly. Another verse, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. I love those absolute terms the scriptures speak of. Nothing will be able to separate you from the love of God. Put on the helmet of salvation, Matt. Amen? Remember who holds your life in his hands. It hurts, but God is working it all out for those who love him and are called according to his purposes in Christ Jesus. Jacob is having a hard time. Who wouldn't, right? Verse 37, Then Reuben said to his father, You may put both of my sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. Entrust him to my care, and I will bring him back. But Jacob said, My son will not go down there with, with you. His brother is dead, and he is the only one left. If harm comes to him on the journey uh, you are taking, you will bring my gray-haired <laughs> head down to the grave in sorrow. I mean, he's just drama, crazy. But I find it interesting that Reuben, the brother who stopped them for killing Joseph, he threw who and threw him in the pit with the intention of bringing him back to Jacob. You know, goes, hey guys, don't don't kill Joseph. Let's just put him in the pit. And he had every intention of taking him and bringing him back. He kind of is the person who kind of let things happen, even though he tried to not do it. He has just incredible guilt of the situation. And he puts his own sons, he says, my two sons, I will make sure this will happen. He's trying to redeem what went wrong still. I will take care of it. I will take care of it. So we can see his heart and how it's changing. In verse chapter 43, it says, Now the famine was still severe in the land. So when they had eaten all the grains, poor Simeon's just hanging out there, isn't he? When they had eaten all the grain they had brought up from Egypt, their father said to him, Go back and buy us a little more food. But Judah said to him, The man warned us solemnly, You will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. If you will send your brother along with us, we will go... Uh, our brother along with us, we will go down and buy food for you. But if you will not send him, we will not go down because the man said to us, you will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. And Israel asked, why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man you had another brother? Why did you do this? And they replied, the man questioned us closely about our, ourselves and our family. Is your father still living, he asked us. Do you have any other brothers? We simply answered his questions. How are we to know what he would say? Bring your own brother down here, your, your brother down here. Then Judah said to Israel, his father, send the boy along with me, and we will go at once 
so that we and you and our children may live and not die. They're in a situation where they have to face what's going on. And it's by God's design. I myself will guarantee his safety. This is Judah, one of the brothers who did not like the favorites and was one of the, I think he was the guy who sold them, right? He's the one who is sitting here and saying, listen, I'm going to personally guarantee this. I will take care of him. I myself will guarantee his safety, verse 9. You can hold me personally, personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back you, uh, back to you and set him here before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. I'm going to guarantee, I'm going to put my own life for his. That's a little different person there, isn't it? Dealing with his father's favorite son, Benjamin, now. As it is, verse 10, if we had not delayed, we could have gone back and returned twice. Then their father, Israel, said to them, if it must be, then do this. Do my plan of giving a bunch of stuff to try to change people's mind. Remember that, what he did with his brother Esau? Put some of the best products in the land in your bags and take it down to them to the man as a gift. A little balm, a little honey, some spices and myrrh. Hmm, spices and myrrh some pistachio nuts and almonds and take double amount of silver with you for you must return the silver that was put back in the mouths of your sacks perhaps it was a mistake take your brothers all take your brother also and go back to the man at once and may god almighty grant you mercy before the man so that he will let your brother simeon and benjamin come back with you as for me if i am bereaved i am bereaved very fun there so the men took the gifts and a double amount of silver and Benjamin also. And they hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph, verse 16. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Take these men to my house, slaughter an animal, and prepare a meal. They are to eat with me at noon. The men, the man did as Joseph told him and took the men to Joseph's house. Now the men were frightened when they were taken to the house. And they thought, we were brought back here because of the silver that was put back into our sacks the first time. He wants to attack us, overpower us, and seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. That's what's going on. So the brothers, they're concerned and they're frightened when Joseph calls them to his house. How similar is that with us? How many of us love gathering in the house of the Lord when we have been throwing people in pits? How many of us want to hang out with brothers and sisters? How many of us want to go to Bible study? How many of us want to sit under the word? How many of us want to engage with light? No way. We have this guilty conscience, and rightly so. We have stuff in our hearts that's not right. When we have hidden sin, the last place we want to be sometimes is in the Lord's house, in His presence with His people. 
we feel the guilt and the condemnation creeping in. Our thinking, which the enemy capitalizes on, your enemy, my enemy, the enemy of our salvation capitalizes on this, is that he's calling you to his house. If I go there, if I hang out, if I spend time, I'm just going to get condemnation. I'm just going to get exposed. God wants to kill me. That's why I have this cold. He wants to make me a slave. He wants to destroy me, attack me, take away my stuff, take away my donkey, no more car. I better not go to fellowship with believers or take communion. Don't go to the Lord's table. Don't do these things because I've got this stuff going on. I've blown it. And you know what? I just think God's angry with me. He's mad at me. He's just so upset with me. How many of you struggle with that? Maybe just me. Just, what am I doing? Where do I go? I'll just go back to what I've always done. What I know. You know, what we fail to realize in those moments is that God is actually desiring to do a deep work of grace in our lives. He wants to reveal a grace to us that we cannot understand, that we have not received, perhaps that we do not know. A grace that overpowers all sin. A grace that overflows. A love that is so powerful, so strong, it will wash away all the darkness. It will wash away who we are rightly called sinners, right? And makes us saints, makes us clean. The very place we need to be is in his presence and with his people and at his table. Yes, Joseph had been bringing his brothers through the ringer, hadn't he? He'd been speaking harshly to him speaking difficult things to them, allowing them to be in circumstances where they would actually contemplate the inner workings of their heart, what had been just below the surface all these years. But Joseph's purpose in that, Jesus's purpose in that, was the work that he does in us that is tough. It's for our good, and it's for an eventual blessing to us and those around us. And we are living in a society that avoids pain at all costs. We avoid pain in relationships. We avoid physical pain. We uh, just pain. And we don't realize that sometimes that pain is speaking to us. It's trying to make us aware of something. And instead of going to the Lord's table, we run away. We run from the situation instead of hit it head on. So if you're here this morning and you're not doing well in your walk with the Lord, you've come to the right place. And yes, difficult things might be said as the word of God is taught and as people get to know you and speak the truth in love, and by the way, not perfectly. But the Lord is at work in all the difficulties together to bless you as you draw near to him, to bless me 
And so don't be afraid to come to him. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy that he's going to steal your donkey. That he's just going to smite you. Loves you. He will ask you to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow him. And I don't know exactly what that looks like for, for you today. I'm sure I can judge in my human ability. But you know what the Lord's saying to you. But draw near to him. Don't be afraid. He plan- his plans for you are for good. And not good as humans see good, an everlasting good, an eternal good. He desires to give you his life, that abundant life that is found in his presence at his table with him. So, verse 19, they're suspect of what's going on. And so they went up to Joseph's steward and they spoke to him at the entrance of the house. Hey, we we beg your pardon, our Lord, they said. Uh, We came here the first time to buy food, remember us? But at the place where we stopped for the night, we opened our sacks and each of us found a silver, the exact weight in the mouth of his sacks. And so we have brought it back with us. We have also brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put silver back in our sacks. We didn't do this. Verse 23, it's all right, he said. Don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. And then he brought Simeon out to them. These guys are dealing with tremendous guilt and they're being blessed. What's going on? Here Joseph is treating them harshly and yet he is being kind to them at the same time. He is dealing with difficult things in their lives, allowing difficult circumstances and yet he is taking care of their provisions. Daddy's blessing him. Is it possible that God can do both? He knows how to disciple people. He knows what we need. He can allow circumstances to be difficult in our lives and yet give us that manna that we need. And what I love about this, it also pictures you just can't outgive God. You know, you try to you give to the Lord in your time or your money or whatever it is that you're giving to the Lord and you just end up with more in your bag. That's the way the Lord works. He is amazing. I love that about him. You know, the scriptures have a principle. If you need it, give it. If you lack it, give it. Don't hold on to it. And Jesus says, in the measure that you give, it shall be given unto you, pressed down, overflowing. How many of you need more time in your day? Time with your family, time to serve, time to give. But I love this, that, just that picture there. You will find that giving is not because God is in need, but because you are. <laughs> I love that principle. But the steward, he took them into Joseph's house. He gave them water to wash their feet and provided fodder for their donkeys. What, what just happened? What were they afraid of? You're going to make me a slave and you're going to take away my donkey. And what did he do this? He gives them water to wash their feet and he feeds their donkey, puts gas in their car. What's going on with this? Who is this we're talking to here? And they prepare the gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon. 
because they had heard that they were to eat there. So they're going to eat now. When Joseph came home, they presented the gifts to him that they had brought into the house, and they bowed down before him to the ground. And he asked them how they were. And he said, how's your father, the aged father you had told me about? Is he still living? And they replied, your servant, our father, is still alive and well. And they bowed down, prostrating themselves before him. And as he looked about, he saw his brother Benjamin, his own mother's son, and he asked, is this your youngest brother, the one you had told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Verse 30, deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. And he went into his private room and he wept there. Joseph wept over seeing his brother. He was deeply moved at the sight of him. He longed to be with him and he longed to speak with him freely, didn't he? Verse 31, and after he had washed his face, he came out controlling himself and said, serve the food. He didn't reveal himself. He controlled himself. You know, people say, hey, if God loves us so much, if he longs to be with us, why doesn't he just show up? Why doesn't he just, why isn't he, you know, why isn't he, come on, God, get the plan going. Let's go. It's the same reason why Joseph didn't reveal himself. There was work yet to do in the lives of the brothers. To be with them plainly, he longed to do that. He longed to be with them and to reveal himself, to speak plainly to them, to fellowship face to face, to be at the same table. He resisted because there was still work to be done in their hearts, as we will see next week. But in the same way, if you have a pulse, if you are alive in this room and you do not see the Lord face to face, God has a a work to do in your heart. He is still working on you to work in you and through you this morning. Jesus said, and I love this part, I go to prepare a place that where I am you may be also. Jesus is preparing a place for you to be, for us to be together for eternity. But we often look at that and go, okay, he's preparing a pace, he's busy. No, he's also busy preparing you for the place. Me for the place. Gathering more people from this world for the place. There's work still to be done. There's faith yet to be developed in our hearts. The lost to be reached, the gospel to be preached, amen? In time, Joseph will reveal himself, who he truly is, and what a day that's going to be for those brothers. The grace and the forgiveness that is going to become reality to them, how sweet it's going to be. Same with us. But until that day, God is still discipling us into the image of Jesus Christ. So Joseph, he's longing to be with his brothers, but he resists. And we're going to finish here in verse, uh, up here, the verse, last few verses. And they served him by, and they served him, I'm sorry, they served him by himself. Joseph was by himself, the brothers by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves. Because Egyptians could not eat with Hebrews, for that is detestable to Egyptians. This is not very PC, Egyptians. David Guzik makes note of this and says, uh, Joseph did not eat with his brothers because at the time, Egypt was one of the most racially separated societies on earth. They believed that Egyptians came from the gods and all the other peoples came from lesser origins. While we frown upon this in our culture today, 
God actually used this as a means of preservation for the Hebrews over 400 years, for over their 400 years in captivity in Egypt. They were able, because no one would want to touch them and be around them, they as a people were able to, to grow into the nation that God prophesied that they would be. God can even use evil and oppressive circumstances for our benefit. So look around you. Look around at your circumstances and the society we're in. God can cause us to flourish. And most of the time, guess what? The church does flourish in harsh circumstances, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Do you grow when everything is just handed to you? No. It's pretty interesting. So, we'll stop there, right here, verse 33. The men had been seated before him in the order of their ages, from the firstborn to the youngest, and they looked at each other in astonishment. How in the world does he know? Reminds me of those Pharisees that were, who Jesus was writing in the sand, and they left from the oldest to the youngest. When the portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's. And so they feasted and they drank freely with him. What are the brothers going to do when Benjamin is the favorite? Have they changed? Lord, we thank you so much for today. Thank you that we can go watch football and have fun. Lord, would you just take your word, minister to our hearts. Father, I think just the, the encouragement is your table is set and you've called all of us to dine with you and to come in and receive blessing. And Lord, will you help us cast our fears at the door and help us to run and jump on your lap and that you would take us and you will wash our feet and you'll provide for our donkeys, so to speak, Lord. And let us just enjoy being at your table every day. Father, for those in here who are struggling with uh, sin, as we all do, Lord, who feel overwhelmed and guilty, Lord. There's provision, provision for sin. You can remove all as we just say thank you. Lord, will you watch over your church this week? Will you watch over where we are and what we're doing? And will you help us have the mind of Christ that we would shine your light that we would be a people drawn to your kingdom and about your kingdom, and not a people in a faraway land who are forgetful of you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this group of believers. Be with those who are hurting this morning, who are sick, who those who need freedom by your Holy Spirit. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.